0: Welcome to Podcast Sans Frontieres, a Metal Gear Solid audio experience. Here, we infiltrate the narrative, interrogate the characters, extract the themes, via Fulton, of course, and finally face down the technological behemoth that is the Metal Gear franchise. Well, this technology will be the missing link between infantry and
1: artillery. A kind of Metal Gear, if you will. And this magnificent Metal Gear will mark a revolutionary step forward in weapons development.
0: Metal Gear. I'm Manu, also known as Manuclear Bomb. I am Brian. Hello. Today's episode is Hero of Socialism, episode number five on Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater from 2004. Last time, we eschewed the plot to focus on the Cobras. Today, we're going to do a little cutscene catch-up. Because they're a lot of fun, and I want to make sure we talk about Comrade Granin. But first, our spoiler warning for this and every episode. Everything is declassified. We know who Sigint becomes. We know who Meryl marries. We know the fate of Master Kazahiro Miller. This is not a playthrough podcast. It's all on the table for discussion as we progress through the games.
2: One of these three guns has a single bullet in it. I'm going to pull the trigger six times in a row. Are you ready? 't yet mm. There's no such thing as luck on the battlefield.:
0: So our first cutscene today takes place shortly after the pain fight. After exiting the caves and working through some mangroves, you come across a warehouse at PonteJuve, where snake spies a scene take place between most of our major players. On the docks, we see Volgan torturing Eva, pretending to be the KGB Titania, in order to will Sokolov's compliance for the final Shagohot test. Ocelot steps in and plays 4D Russian roulette with three guns and a single bullet. Sokolov escapes death on the first five pulls, but the boss steps in and shoots the sixth and loaded shot harmlessly into the water, as we heard in the sound clip. I actually want to track something here. Ocelot does this Russian roulette trick a couple times in this game. Knowing that Ocelot is secretly, secretly working for the Americans and helping execute Bosses and Zero's plan, and that Boss and Ocelot are secretly supporting Snake, there are theories out there that each time Ocelot does this little trick, he is expecting someone to step in. Both the Boss and Snake have peak Battlefield awareness down to counting bullets, The application of this theory here is Boss knowing to step in so he doesn't kill Sokolov here, and then in the torture scene later, Snake stepping in to take a bullet for Eva. I'm not saying I necessarily subscribe to this theory, but I just wanted to plan it. After all, someone once said, facts do not exist, there are only interpretations.
3: I definitely believe that Ocelot would have no compunction killing Eva. I don't think he cares about Eva at all. Even earlier in the story, he knows that she's a spy, but I don't think he has any tie to her whatsoever like after this game he does but yeah i i I wouldn't be surprised at all if if he didn't i'm sure he expected snake to jump in but yeah i don't think he cares about when wait i'm talking about the torture scene yeah yeah i don't think he would i don't think he would shed a tear for eva at all that's not something i think would matter to him she's technically not part of the mission she's not part of the mission as far as the boss and snake and major zero and and ocelot are concerned so could be could
0: be. I'm going to save a little more of that for when we get to that scene later this episode. Yeah, yeah. Heading back to the action now. The boss tells Volgan that the pain is down before she sends off the fear to hunt down Snake. Rain starts coming down as the players exit the stage. Volgan says Kuabara, Kuabara again as he leaves. More on this next episode. And the boss feels the presence of the sorrow as the cutscene ends.
3: Wolga well, just making sure to let everyone know who his favorite Yu Yu Hakusho character is. He makes a fine choice.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, and this is, of course, the spot in which you can kill the end while he sits on the dock here. Check out our previous episode for more on that. <laughs> Coming into the segment with a laid-back, surf-rock-sounding take on the original Metal Gear theme, which only gets played a couple times in this game, usually to tremendous effect. This song is actually diegetic, in this case, as Snake hears this tune as he breaks into the office at Granini Gorky, the science lab Sokolov was supposed to be held at. The song is being enjoyed instead by... I am Alexander
1: Leonovich Granin. A man of some importance, if I do say so myself. I am the foremost weapon scientist in the Soviet Union and the head of the glorious Granin Design Bureau. This is the Order of Lenin. It is an honor of the greatest magnitude, given along with the title of Hero of Socialism to only the finest workers.
0: Yes, Comrade Granin, or Based Grannon, however you want to say it. He's the guy you never knew you needed in Metal Gear, and he's gone before you even know it. Grannon, voiced by Jim Ward, doesn't quite require the full thematic breakdown, but is a great character nonetheless. Oh, and he's crocked, as Snake puts it, throwing back his flask every couple of minutes. Oddly, he's the only character that speaks with a Russian accent at all in this game, and his motion capture actor, Takashi Kubo, first tried to do these scenes drunk on whiskey, but that didn't work out so well. Granin, we'll find out, is the creator of the idea behind Metal Gear. Metal Gear. He views a walking tank as the missing link between artillery and infantry to give the most powerful weapons the ability to traverse any terrain. You can even see models of Metal Gear Ray and Rex in his office, as well as the designs for Metal Gear D. For a Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake, there's also a reference to Zone of the Enders with a Jehudi mecha on the shelf. Granin's bipedal nuclear tank concept, however, has been passed over for funding in favor of Sokolov's Shagohad design. The latter seems cheaper and can be more quickly produced as the Metal Gear design is still a prototype. Earlier versions of this game included the idea of failed proto-Metal Gear test footage being shown during these scenes. Grannon will have the last laugh, though, as he plans to send his Metal Gear designs to a colleague in America, one Huey Emmerich, who will complete his project and show the world to be fools for doubting Grannon's genius. But with Sokolov's design winning out, Volgen is ready to throw the full weight of the Philosopher's legacy behind mass production of the Shagohod. The
1: Philosopher's Legacy. Haven't you heard of the Philosophers? The Colonel has inherited their immense legacy. Volgin's father was in charge of the Philosophers' money laundering activities. In the confusion of the war, he somehow ended up with their treasure. And Volgin inherited that treasure illegally. We never need to worry about the military budget. The development costs at our facility are all paid out of the colonel's deep pockets. The weapons born here will be the genes for creating an entirely new form of warfare.
0: We've mentioned the Philosopher's Legacy a fair amount, so we will give more detail here since this is where it is introduced in our narrative as well. In fact, it's not mentioned at all until Granin volunteers it. All that Metal Gear talk is definitely fun world-building, but the discussion of the legacy is the biggest takeaway from this cutscene, as it represents the ultimate goal for boss, zero, and all involved. It's essentially the MacGuffin driving the story from here on out. We touched on this before, but the philosophers were predecessors to the Patriots. While the Patriots would be an American entity, the philosophers represented a pact of power brokers from U.S., China, and the Soviet Union. These powers combined their resources prior to World War II in hopes of maintaining their spheres of influence when the world emerged on the other side. The legacy is essentially a slush fund those forces pulled together. It represented $100 billion in 1945 money, making it worth over $1.4 trillion nowadays. The philosophers used these funds to advance technology that would win them the war. The atomic bomb, rockets, the COBRA unit. The legacy was divided up amongst banks and trust funds all over the world with the full detail of all the accounts contained on microfilm. Volgan's dad, Boris, was in charge of the Philosopher's Treasury and was able to steal the microfilm away following World War II. This is how Volgan would come to have it for the events of this story. It's what funds all the goings on at Salino-Yarsk and Groznygrad, Volgan's stronghold where Snake can find Sokolov.
3: Yeah, I always thought it was funny, like in retro, like, even when I think when I first played the game, that somehow, somehow the the three most powerful countries in the latter half of the twentieth century were somehow the ones who had. And I know that's supposed to be like a that's how it's supposed to be, but I just thought it's funny that the philosophers exist in the early twentieth century, and the U.S. and China are part of it. They're like they're not that powerful um, at this point. And like there's no no European countries, of course, even though you know, at the end of the nineteenth century, it was still a, the world was still dominated by European powers. Like that's yes. Yeah, I just think that that's a little too neat, maybe. But I, you know, it's a 20th century game. The 20th century is the American century, and the 21st century is the Chinese century. So, it fits. Yeah, it fits fine. It's just it's a little weird to look at. Like, it seems in retrospect, like wow, the U.S. and China really had high aspirations for themselves. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I think we're definitely talking about a time where the United Kingdom was the dominant empire on this planet. Yeah. I think, uh, based on some design docs I read, I think the idea of these three countries, I think obviously the US and Russia, because it's a Cold War story. Yeah. um, You know, and also obviously looping China into that because um, they had just recently gone under uh, their own communist revolution. And I, I think Kojima did note that all three of these countries had undergone a major revolution of political thought um in the last you know hundred and fifty years or so or two hundred years, I guess, for the events of America, you know, the American yeah, Revolution. Yeah. but it was a complete political upheaval. and I think that was key to it because I think what um you know the post-world War II and the rise of American hegemony is definitely a political upheaval on the international scale. and this game is definitely about some of the underlying politics that would give birth to a world of Metal Gears and snakes and big bosses and stuff like that. But I I do, I think, 100% take your point that these are, like, the three, like, stepchildren at this point to uh, Britain and England. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, maybe there's something to that as well. And then what the legacy represents, of course, is the bottomless pockets America has for warfare. There is never not money to design a new missile or bomb a new country or help enforce an apartheid. As Americans struggled with COVID, lack of healthcare, and deteriorating material conditions, we always somehow found billions of dollars for war, or to support our allies in war. I mean, after all... To capitalism! We leave Grannon to go on to fight the fear and the end, before we hit the game's intermission.
3: What a thrill
2: With darkness and silence through the night What a thrill, I'm searching and I'll melt into you. What a fear in my heart, but you're so supreme. I give my life,
0: not for In keeping with the cinematic presentation, the game gives us a little breather after dealing with the end. We have about a minute, 52-second ascent up this ladder, and that acapella snake-eater rendition comes in shortly after you start your ascent. I think there's maybe 250 ladder rungs in total. Some other podcast counted. I didn't care to write it down. I'm not going to count that. (laughs) It works as both a breather, a what-the-fuck moment, a beautiful moment. A Metal Gear moment, then. At the top of the mountain, we discover Eva getting changed in a bunker. Snake checks out her body, uh, respectfully, Uh. as he takes notes of the several scars on her body. Some are from Volgan, but others are much older and Eva is awfully cagey about where they came from. After their minor flirtation, Eva hooks up Snake with a keycard to get into Groznygrad. Eva also lays out Groznygrad for you before some commotion draws them outside to the mountain peak. Volgen's wailing away on, oil, on an oil drum, and Eva makes her exit to resume her role in Volgen's camp. Looking down on Groznygrad, Snake sees Granin's limp corpse fall out of the oil drum, dead. And not only that, Volgen finds a transmitter in Granin's shoe, which we found earlier had been given to him by Eva. The shoes, that is. And also, the transmitter in the shoe is straight out of Goldfinger. 100%. Which uh, Bond used to uh, bring uh, the CIA down onto Auric Goldfinger's uh, mansion in Tennessee. Is that right? Kentucky? I forget which one Fort Knox is in. Uh, Tennessee. No, Kentucky. I'm sorry. There we go. No, I I was like,
3: don't say the back of the other one. And I said the other one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bulligan's antics seem to be wearing thin on Ocelot. And also, Asla is growing more and more suspicious of Eva and her absences. The boss shows up to let everyone know the fear and the end are dead, and Bolgan beefs up security now thinking Snake is really after the legacy and not Sokolov. This isn't a cutscene worth diving into, but you get a full cinematic for when Snake emerges from his fight against the Fury and is inside the walls of Groznygrad for the first time. Just wanted to call this out because this exact moment, Snake arriving at a fortress as the camera pans up, is a shot Kojima absolutely loves. He uses it in MGS1 when Snake exits the freight elevator and first spies Shadow Moses, and he plays it again for MGSV Ground Zeroes when Snake arrives at Camp Omega. Okay, so this is where the plot really starts going. Snake sneaks into the west wing of Grozny grad dressed up as Major Rykov, who is a meta low-blow-at-the-Ryden character from MGS2. Or maybe it's a reflection of the popular reaction to Ryden as effeminate or gay or what have you. Well,
3: I, I think I said the other time there's also the reverse of that, where uh, when you first take Rykov out, you can dress up as him and then go back in through the scientist area and just start beating up scientists. So literally, you get Ryan gets the beat up nerds for like as long as you want, which is I feel like also maybe a response to the response that Raiden got, mm-hmm. which I, I I always do it now that I realize I think it was the second or third time I I figured that out, and now I've I've done it the two times since then. Just at least for a couple minutes, just go beat up nerds. It's great. Punch him in the face. They can't do anything about it.
0: Yeah, I never uh, realized that, but I think that's great because I I lend some credence to the fact that it's more a call out to the reaction than saying this is not Kojima's reflection of the Raiden character, obviously. Well, if it was, then Raiden wouldn't have shown back up. Yeah, he wouldn't have shown back up and been really awesome. And I think we mentioned before that Raiden was also extremely popular in Japan and was actually marketed as part of the, you know, mgs2 process there it actually came out later in japan than america possibly be because understanding the reactions between raiden from the american crowd and the japanese crowd there's also some other fun stuff you can do with uh sorry i was about to say raiden um you can interrogate him uh to you know get information about the colonel such that he is weak against water or that certain mushrooms can draw his electricity more on that next week But if you keep talking to uh, this Rykov character, he'll eventually start repeating ride-in lines from MGS2 uh, going on about April 30th and, you know, some other stuff related to Rose. So um, you can really, you know, sit here and dive deep into the MGS2 uh, Easter eggs if you really want to. But once in the West Wing, Snake spies Eva receiving a data reel from Sokolov. We'll find out later. It's the Shagohat test data. Snake waits for her to clear out before he confronts the scientist. It takes Sokolov a second, but he recognized Snake from the failed rescue of Virtuous mission. Major Zero must be a man of honor, says Sokolov, not unlike Snake himself. From here, we get some info dump on Phase 2 of the Shagohad. Basically, it will use forward momentum to help increase the range of its nuclear launch capabilities or a composite range extension system for mul- medium-range ballistic missiles, as Sokolov puts it. The tank that is the Shagohad will use rockets, jet fuel can't melt metal gears, to achieve a ground speed of 300 miles per hour, and this acceleration is used to more than double the range of its miss- missile launcher, and of course, just long enough to nuke the U.S. And it doesn't require any of the heavy infrastructure of a missile silo.
1: The reason that tensions between East and West have settled into a cold war is because each side fears the other's power. Deterrence. The idea of using threats to keep one's enemy in check is the perfect word to sum up this state of affairs. But the Shagohard goes far beyond the level of threat. It will render the concept of deterrence utterly meaningless. If such a weapon is unleashed on the world, it will not be long before all nations are engulfed in conflict. The Cold War will end, and the entire planet will be consumed by the fires of war. Vulcan and the Shagohad will be at the center of it all.
0: Despite the threat of Doomsday hanging over him, Snake's still optimistic. If they can blow the prototype and hangar to hell with C3, they can stop Vulgan and the Shagohad right then and there. We get a little more character work here, as the two share notes on Eva, and Sokolov gives us some of his backstory, which includes the pitiable scientist routine. Shortly thereafter, Volgen walks in, and Snake dons the Rykoff mask again. Volgen sees through it, or rather, feels through it? As in, he grabs Snake's balls and confirms it isn't Rykov. Volgan inexplicably shoots Sokolov in the knees at this moment, which gives Snake an opening to CQC Volgen down. It looks like he can em- eliminate Volgen right there, but the boss walks in, and she and Snake CQC for a bit before she gets the upper hand. Snake holds his own a little better here, getting in a few counters and getting back up a couple times. Volgen gets back to his feet and he tries to take a cheap shot at the down snake, but the boss CQ sees Volgen down, and, and in one of my favorite shots of the game, the boss lords over a down snake, Sokolov, and Volgen. Boss takes her leave, very deliberately avoiding eye contact with the now-present ocelot, and Volgen starts the beatdown of Snake before moving him to Grozny dedicated torture room.
2: Well then, let's get started. <laughs> What is your target? Is it the Shagohad? Or Sokolov? Or maybe it's the Legacy? Answer me! Who is helping you? Who let you in here? You're a tough one. But even you must have your limits. I am a patient man."
0: We fade in from black to see Snake's battered and bruised with the black bag over his head, very much a reference to Abu Ghraib which was in the news in the year leading up to MGS3. Vulgan keeps going at Snake, this time with his electricity powers, focusing in on what Snake knows about the legacy. Snake even pisses himself at this point, which I'm sure is what all the gamers want out of their power fantasy protagonist, right? right? I love it when Master Chief pisses himself. It's great. The best part of any Zelda game is when Link sees the princess and pees himself right then and there. I love it when Gordon Freeman pisses himself. The boss comes in, again, sharing a not look with Ocelot, and tells Volgan that Snake won't break because she trained him not to break. Volgan continues his torture while providing some exposition on the philosopher's legacy. Eva, Ocelot, and boss keep sharing looks, all three of their allegiances lay somewhere other than, the, than where they outwardly claim. And though they all are overtly with Volgan, all three of them are secretly supporting Snake, albeit to different ends. I just specifically love coming back to the scene, because when you know what actually is happening, what is unseen, it's really just a masterclass of spy narrative storytelling, mm-hmm. something I think of comparable to like the best John Le Carré novels. I
3: love um something very different. I I love Volgan's commentary on how, how 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 many times you've been hurt in the game. If you gotten through the game basically unscathed, I think he tells you you have like a baby's body. And if you're just like getting chewed up every fight, he's just like you're a tough man. Yeah. Lesser man would be dead already. I like I like that the again the game reacts to how good you are at the game. Right. Or in or in, in another way how much of a coward you are, I guess. <laughs> Yeah.
0: I mean, one thing we didn't even really get a chance to talk about with uh, the Cobras and the battles and specifically like the end battle is um, more, way more so than uh, Metal Gears one and two or Metal Gear solids one and two rather. Mm -hmm. You, you can really tell your own story through this game between how many people you kill, um, various choices you make. A lot of them are really related to the end. um, But, you know, you can even do things like, you know, when you defeat the boss, you can murk her right away, or you can sit there and wait for the three-minute timer to murk her for you. Um, it's not quite MGSV completely open-ended, um, but you're really being able to define your experience with each playthrough in this game in a way you couldn't with previous Metal Gears. Um, it's not just one track of narrative, so to speak. Vulgan's torture jars loose a transmitter on Snake, which the boss fesses up to planting on him so the Cobras could get the jump on him, she claims, but Vulgan's not so sure. If they knew where he would be, how did Snake defeat them all? Volgan's still somewhat afraid of the boss, but he demands the boss prove her loyalty.
2: What do you want me to do? Let's see. Cut out his eyes. I don't like those blue eyes of his. There's nothing more important to a soldier than his eyes. You made him a soldier, and now you will unmake him. Yes, it'll make for a touching display. He's all yours. Do it! Ruin him, just as he did the cobras.
0: God, I love this. At this point, I had figured out this was Big Boss, and knowing that they'd probably get him his eye patch in this game, I was freaking out a bit. Would they do something so gnarly as have his eye removed by the boss knifing it out in front of us? And it's just a spectacular bit of performance from Snake and Boss here. The bag is removed from Snake's eyes, so he he gets a few moments of light before he's supposed to lose his eyesight. And you can see this horrifying quiver on Snake's lips and in Snake's eyes as the boss brings the knife in. And there is a really rough look on Boss's face, too. Remember, she killed her lover, the Sorrow, with a bullet through the eye, so this is bringing up old traumas for her, too.
3: Yeah, I want to say real quick, I like that uh, Snake, I'm not saying he's, like, just... Doing the fake tough, tough guy act to get through the Volgan stuff, but he's not really. He's just sort of absorbing the punishment and going on. But as soon as the boss is in charge of it, he's like legitimately afraid because he knows what she, he knows what she can do, and he he knows that uh, he's probably not strong enough to withstand whatever she's going to do to him. Whereas Vulcan could just punch him for hours, and he doesn't mind. It, he can. I don't say he doesn't mind it because again, Snake is not an invincible badass. He gets hurt, but he's confident he can get through it. But as soon as the boss gets involved, he uh, basically shits himself.
0: Yeah. And I think there's also something to the point that, okay, he's deep behind enemy lines in an enemy stronghold, and the big, bad, you know, super terrorist has him captured and is beating him. You know, he can maybe accept that in the line of duty of his work, but his, like, mentor, his best friend, his mother figure um, actively unmaking him as a soldier, Mm -hmm. I can see how that is just... That, that's a way to break him mentally that Volgan would never be capable of doing. And as this is about at the end of Act 2, I want to just point out the traditional story beat here. The end of the second act usually finds our hero at his lowest point, and in this instance, it's him being unmade as a soldier, as Volgan says. But the end of this game, or in its resolution, we get to see the exact opposite of being unmade. He's made into something more than a soldier, someone who surpasses even the boss. It's a wild swing from now until the end of this game. Eva intervenes, however, and saves Snake for the minute. Ocelot takes this as proof that Eva is the spy in Volgan's ranks and decides that he wants to test her with his three and decides he wants to test her with his three-gun, one-bullet, six-trigger-pull routine that we saw in Sokolov earlier. Snake, despite being completely beaten and broken, has just enough wherewithal to keep track of which chamber the bullet is in, and when it appears to be destined for Eva's skull, Snake swings over and bodies Ocelot, who flails out of control, firing a bullet that skims Snake's face, rendering his right eye dead. I'm going to give a shout-out to 4 Push, a friend from a Discord server I'm in. He planted the seed of an idea in me that there are Odin parallels here as well. Not Marvel's Odin, but the Norse god Odin, which I guess is close enough to not matter. But classically, Odin sacrificed his eye to Mimir's well and then hung himself from the world's tree, Yggdrasil, to gain wisdom and knowledge. Snake is hung up here, loses an eye, and the knowledge he seeks, whether he knows it or not, is the philosopher's legacy. And honestly, you can run wild with the Odin analogy here. Odin is very much tied to nature, and MGS3 is the most natural of the MGS stories. You can come up with an analogy for Jormungand, the world's serpent. And the most fun probably comes from lining up the sons of Big Boss to the Odin sons. Hell, you could even compare Kaz and Ocelot in MGSV to Hugin and Munin, the two ravens on Odin's shoulders feeding him information. But anyway... Bulgan's satisfied with all this violence and takes Snake's blasted eye as good enough punishment for now. He departs, demanding Eva follow behind him. Ocelot takes a moment with Snake here, sticking him with another tracking device while saying he seems to have taken a liking to this whole torture thing, you know, to start Ocelot down the path of the interrogation specialist he was in MGS 1 and 2. Ocelot takes his leave, and if you do the R1 first-person trigger thing, you know, secretly, unpromptedly, you can see the boss mockingly do the Ocelot hand gesture as he walks away. Then it's boss's turn to exit, but not without slipping an empty single-action army into Snake's belt and telling him to run. Oh, and she shoots a fake death pill into Snake's leg. Now alone with Snake, Eva says she has an escape route planned through the sewers and she'll meet him after after that with all his equipment. He'll have to break out of his jail cell on his own, though. She can't be seen anywhere near him when that happens. Snake passes out and we come to in a jail cell down the hall. So now we get to the jail cell uh, escape, which is uh, very similar to the one you did in Metal Gear Solid 1. Uh, We'll go through a couple ways that you can escape your prison cell. Um, The first one, the easiest one, is to uh, call the codec of 144.75. You could have picked up this uh, codec signal from uh, both the room that Sokolov was being held in when uh, Volgan and the boss would come in on you. And again, during the torture sequence, if you went into uh, that uh, first-person view, you would see the sorrow floating behind with that codec uh, as well. Looking very goofy, honestly. Yeah, maybe he's excited knowing he's about to fight you, but it's it's definitely yeah, it's weird, it's out of character. It's very Looney Tunesy, whereas every other you know presence of him was more like let's say Ghost from the movie Ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one definitely feels like a Looney Tunes character kind of showing up behind someone and holding up a sign. Uh, The other thing you can do is use the fake death pill, which uh, the boss just shot into you. Um, You can basically fake being dead uh, in your jail cell, which will cause the guard Johnny to come around and uh, investigate what's going on. And then you can take the revival pill, uh, knock him out, and make your escape. Um, And then the other thing you can do is you can feed the guard Johnny. Um, I think there is a little bit of a, a ration or like a bat or something that's fed to you. You can equip it and constantly throw it out of your um, jail cell. Um, Eventually, Johnny will, you know, thank you for taking it. Um, And then you actually get into a full cutscene with this Johnny guard who, if it's weird that I'm saying his name, it's because this Johnny would be the ancestor of Johnny Sasaki, um, the guard who, you know, Meryl took out in Metal Gear Solid 1, who obviously has a big arc in Metal Gear Solid 4 that I'm sure we can't wait to get into. The, po- the
3: poopants man, we love him.
0: Yes, we the love poop the poop Pants. pants. We, lo- we, lo- we love him. Um, but anyways, he starts telling you about how all the first sons in his family are named Johnny. Um, and it's just kind of a little cute extra Easter eggy scene that you don't have to experience, but it's you know, just kind of fun to discover. Um, but during that cutscene. scene... Um, Johnny busts out a photo of his family, and on the back of that photo is, again, the codec uh, 144.75 to uh, open the jail cell, Um, or he will shortly give you back your cigarettes, or it's your cigarette spray, but he thinks they're just your cigarettes, um, and you can use this, and then you can knock him out, um, you know, while he's nearby, and then, again, escape out of your uh, jail cell. Now, this is my preferred tactic, or the one I'm about to tell you is my preferred tactic. I pause the game and go into the survival viewer, and then I spin snake really fast around with the left analog stick. When you return out of that survival viewer back into gameplay, snake vomits from all that spinning, and that uh makes the guard come in um thinking that you're sick. And usually I just uh you know punch him out and then run out of there.
3: I uh I did this I did the fake death pill this time. I usually do the Kodak or the fake death pill, but I think I've done all four of them at least once because I think I've beaten the game five times, so that's about right.
0: I've done all of them, but feeding Johnny just because the one time I tried to do it, I couldn't get the ration to actually go outside of the jail cell because there's like a little window you have to throw it to. And I just, whatever reason, just was not feeling it that day, was not able to line it up, and then I just went back and spun myself around and puked, and it worked. So once you get out of uh, your jail cell, um, you basically have to make an escape to the northwest corner outside Grozny grad where uh, the entrance to the sewers is um you have to go through the sequence naked as in you have access to none of your camo or none of your equipment uh you work through uh through go- Grozny grad and the one trick i like to deploy here it's not really necessary but um something i like to do is, um there's a cardboard box behind the room or the building in which the torture cell is in you can get that in your first pass through grozny grad but if you don't you can grab it now so you can use the cardboard box to sneak around um you know this part of this part of the game and make your way through the sewers um it's not terribly hard because um the troops are generally on the same patrols they were the first time through um, and it's not densely guarded enough where I think it's difficult but also there is an expectation that you can just kind of run through it and just you know take the alerts and whatever's if you if you don't really care about that stuff and then once you get to the entrance to the sewers and enter there's no soldiers down in the sewers you only have to worry about a couple dogs patrolling uh there's some uh, single action army uh, revolver ammo here that you can get which is the first ammo you can get for this gun after the boss gave it to you in the previous cutscene. and when you enter here Eva codex Snake to tell him the sewer exit has been sealed off, he's going to have to find his own way out of there. And the next scene is perhaps my absolute favorite, because Kojima homages my most cherished movie ever, 1993's The Fugitive. Snake gets to play the role of Dr. Richard Kimball, while Ocelot cuts himself off a little Deputy Samuel Gerard. And I really don't got anything to tie The Fugitive into Metal Gear, so much to, to say, but I love the Fugitive, The Movie Rules. It's set in Chicago, which obviously is the easiest way to my heart, and it's just of a adult action movie that we don't get very often anymore. Uh, Most of the action movies tend to be, well, Marvel movies, more or less, but then the adult ones tend to be John Wick and John Wick clones for the most part, it seems, uh, where it's usually just one person going really badass with the gunplay or something similar. Um, But The Fugitive is just a really fun, thoughtful, it's action-oriented, but not really an action movie. It just has a really couple well-done, intense chase sequences befitting its name And one similarity I do find between the Fugitive and um, let's say the Snake Eater portion or Operation Snake Eater portion of MGS3 is that every time Snake and Ocelot Uh, face down. It's basically at the end of each act structure. They face down at the end of act one when you actually fight Ocelot. Um, They face down here kind of at the end of act two before Snake makes his dive into the dam. And then they face off at the end of act three uh, when Ocelot crashes uh, into the wig and has a little uh, showdown with Snake to end the game. It's basically how The Fugitive is structured as well. Um, The only times that Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones characters actually cross paths or face off are at the end of the first act with the Fugitive damn jump. I don't know why I put the movie title in that. Um, At the end of the second act, when there's a chase through the St. Patrick's Day parade in Chicago. And then at the end of the third act, uh, when they actually resolve the issue and discover that it was the bad guy from The Living Daylights who did it all. (laughs) Okay, I'll get back to the game. I'm sorry, but I really had to talk about The Fugitive. Snake's flight leads him to the edge of a dam tunnel, dam as in hydrological infrastructure, not the curse word, with water dropping some 200 feet below him. Ocelot pulls up with his unit and removes a bullet that's been hanging from his neck all during Operation Snake Eater. It's the bullet that jammed on Ocelot during Virtuous Mission, and he plans to use it to exact his revenge as he loads the single bullet into his single-action army. Ocelot gets off one trigger pull before we get another 24 style split screen as Snake takes his chances with the water. He Peter pans right off there that goddamn dam. Can I get a Joey pants? Holy shit. Snake makes a giant splash and is swept away by the currents. Ocelot looks down from the top of the dam. Don't die on me yet. When we return to Snake, he seems to be walking through a fiery mangrove that's quickly extinguished as the Sorrow appears and that boss fight happens, as discussed last episode. Following the Sorrow encounter, you wake up to a new dawn in T- Tiko Gornizh, Russian for Tranquil Mountain, and all the lush imagery and butterflies represent Snake's rebirth. He died, crossed over for a moment, and has returned to the lushness of life. It's the
3: first jungle area in
0: at this point several hours so yeah I, mm-hmm. I think that's a deliberate that's a deliberate reference you've stripped away all the man-made and infrastructure stuff and returned to nature perhaps now he is spiritually big boss though he doesn't get that title to the game's end or embrace the title until a decade later uh, we can take a minute here to talk about the Tico Gornish maps because these could be rather uneventful for you, or you could be naked and you know having to face off with the Ocelot unit. As we kind of mentioned in the previous episode, I actually forgot to take the tracker out, uh, which I usually almost always do, and I, and because I was going for a no kill, no alert playthrough, I actually had to take a couple attempts at uh, getting through this map. It's actually a lot of fun uh, being, you know, kind of underpowered. Though you have no camo. Yeah, You would have the single-action army, but if you don't pick up the ammo in the sewers, you don't have any ammo for that either. Um, so you can either do a little bit of CQC and punch-out, uh, or you know you can sneak past them which is what I basically did uh once I've kind of got a route for their circuits I think I had to take out one of them just to you know kind of get past them easily but then I was able to kind of crawl and make my way through it how about you how was your experience through this part
3: well this time i uh deliberately left the track room because I wanted to try and fight them and I just uh standing i standing CQC'd a couple guys I shot a guy I ran back around the other side and let two guys chase me and then I fought one more guy and killed them and then I just uh, ran into the waterfall <laughs> I was like ah fuck this like the ocelot unit is tougher than I was I remembered so yeah yeah I had fun with it though i, I uh, yeah I had fun like challenging myself to be like a like a no basically naked stealth or i guess more of a combat encounter but you know, it was fun
0: yeah it's almost a way you can reprise that initial ocelot unit encounter or if you defeated the end on the docks um it's like three varying levels of difficulty for those um, things, which is kind of fun. So if you can like have the Ocelot unit playthrough where all you do is uh, you know, I think you can take up take out upwards of 30 total ocelot unit members if you face them in all possible scenarios that you do. Mm-hmm. A snake rendezvous with Eva behind a waterfall. She flies in on her motorcycle naturally. And kills all the Ocelot unit members who are still alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Murders them, actually. Eva gives you all your gear back. Ocelot's eaten all the food though. And an eye patch for your forever lost right eye. Getting the eye patch right after his rebirth expertly timed that Kojima storytelling. Snake and Eva do some fireside flirting, but Snake's still too focused on the boss to give in to his throbbing biological urges. I promised friends to add more Simpsons references. <laughs> a butterfly flaps past, and Snake makes a grab for it, but misses. Probably misses his old glasses. I'm seeing double here. Four Simpsons references. Okay, I'm done, and basically so are Snake and Eva. If you left the tracker in you, however, you get an additional cutscene where Eva removes it from Snake's back. When the camera is on our characters, it seems to be very sexually suggestive, but it will occasionally cut to their shadows on a wall. Hello, Varus the spider. And those shadows are doing pro-wrestling moves on each other. I saw a crotch stomp and a sharpshooter in there for sure. Baffling stuff. Mm.
3: If Snake doesn't win, I'll kill myself. There's another Simpsons reference.
0: <laughs> we, we're up to... And ties, you betcha. <laughs> oh, one last thing. Before Eva departs, she snaps a photo of you from a button camera. As insurance so Snake doesn't betray her, she says. Of course, we know it's the other way around, and Eva will leave that picture for you when she decides not to kill you at story's end. Snake works his way back into Grozny Gad with some C3 provided by Eva. Oddly, C4 was already patented by 1958 and C3 already out of fash- fashion by the time of this game in 1964. So it just seems to be one of those weird facts that... Uh, you know, doesn't line up with the way Kojima and his team usually research this stuff, but I can also just see, you know, the idea of C3, like, wink, wink, it's not C4, it's C3, um, just to kind of retrofit the game to the time, so to speak.
3: Also, it's Miller Solid 3, so I would... I no. it, it may just be, like, the simplest, wettest brain
0: explanation you can <laughs> think of. I love it. Um, Eva took some C3 for herself as well. Uh, for a bridge she wants to blow to cover their getaway. And again, we work through a couple of the same Grozny grad maps as before, both outside and inside, Uh, but a couple of things we can note here. The first one, which I think you told me, is that if you grab the Tsuchinoko earlier in the game, uh, you will pick it up here because, as we mentioned earlier, Ocelot had eaten all the rest of your food, Um, so this is where you can reacquire that little bonus.
3: He's just sitting there wagging his tail basically looking at you. Once you get your train, you can't. You have to trank him again. I actually think – I don't know if people know the best place to get the Tsuchinoko is when you come back through the warehouse the second time and you leave to go – to go. I can't remember the name of the map. But it's, you go up a little incline and then there's like a – where you have to go is kind of in front of you to the right. But you can also just like turn around and go back up a little ledge there. If you lay a bunch of mouse traps there, go run back inside the warehouse and go run out – there's like a 70, 60 to 70 percent chance you'll get a Sujinoko. Oh wow. I had two mouse traps and I got on my first try. So like yeah, it's actually not hard to get. There's just one specific spot
0: where he always likes to show up. Uh, otherwise, I've never seen it before. <laughs> I honestly have only I only know it's in the game from uh, you know, watching YouTube's where, you know, someone, you know, Initiated, got that codec screen in their YouTube playthrough or, you know, on other podcasts. Um, so I'm definitely going to try to get it the next time through. It, it seems that less like, you know, it's really hard to get him, or you just like, you have to know where to get him.
3: Yeah. I think if you're just trying to hunt for it normally, it's, it's like really difficult. You have to like use the motion tracker and slowly eliminate everything that's moving so you can like figure out what, what's left. And
0: yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's tough, but there's some like kind of cheaty places you can get it. So. So when you work your way back inside in Groznygrad, grad, I want to point out that your scientist costume still works, even though, you know, you're, you're sporting an eye patch now. And there's also a room, uh, there's a lot of goodies uh, in the first floor of Groznygrad. grad, uh, but there's a room you can only get into if you, uh, Enter a certain uh, codec frequency, which you actually have to interrogate a guard for if you're, you know, playing the game the right way, or if you're like me, you googled it because, as I mentioned, I couldn't do the pressure sensitivity and interrogate anyone in my playthrough. Uh, What you find in this room is the scorpion, which... Again, I'm not one for a gun, so the best analogy I can say is it's like the clob from GoldenEye, but it actually doesn't suck as a gun. Um, it's basically a semi-automatic pistol um, that packs, packs a decent punch and is uh, really useful because I think you can use it for CQC, but I'm not sure. Um, I don't, don't hold me to that, but it's just uh, a fun weapon to acquire. And speaking of things to acquire here, uh, when you work your way back through the locker room on your way to the main Hot hangar, um, there's some new outfits you can obtain. The first is a CCCP sneaking suit, a prototype sneaking suit um, that doesn't really look anything like Solid Snakes, but it is um, a quality camo in that uh, it... Uh, reduces uh, stamina drain and damage by half, and then it also just has a solid camo index regardless of environment. Um, Very similar to, I think, the snake outfit you get if you beat the boss Mm non-lethally, and there's another camo um, that just always has a solid, no pun intended, uh, camo index no matter what environment you're in. The other outfit you can get is the maintenance outfit, uh, which is basically a janitor's outfit. As you're about to go sneaking around in the Shago hot hangar, the only people still working are a couple patrol soldiers and the engineers. And the maintenance outfit will dress you up like an engineer. Um, it makes navigating the entire map a whole heck of a lot easier. So Snake makes it into the Shagohod's hangar and plants the explosives on four liquid fuel containers, shaping the last bit of C3 into a butterfly before placing it. We'll leave off here for today and get ready for the tremendous showdowns with Volgan and the Boss next episode. Got gotcha you this time. So that's mission complete for this episode. Our frequency is Podcast Sans Frontieres at gmail.com and at PodSandsfront on Twitter and Instagram. I've been Manu, also known as Manuclear Bomb. I've been Brian. We're men with names. That's coming up soon. I actually am going to get the sound clip for that, too. Shout out to our sound editor, Stephen Boyd, a.k.a. DJ Empirical, on Twitter. Please remember to like, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast application as well. So until next time, remember, you have a way to fall.
2: so you've got a way to fall, they'll tell you where to go, but they won't know, sir, you'd better take it all, they'll tell you what they know.
0: Ocelot's antics seem to be wearing thin... Oh, wait. Sorry. That's the other way around. Okay. Volgan's antics seem to be wearing thin on Ocelot. Will also grow in- Jesus, I've, I worded this gruffly. Um, let me think about this real quick. Just switch them. Yeah. Ocelot, or Vol... Bul- Volgan's <laughs> <laughs> antics seem to be wearing thin on Ocelot. And also, Ocelot's growing more and more... Metal Gear. Metal gear.